One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Sans Pants Radio. Australia's most American podcast network. Ooh, why so blue? So many shades of sorrow. Hey, what's Pac-Man, everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons podcast, where today I watch Steven Universe Future with my partner, Reed Ashley. Reed uses he, they pronouns. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at StopTweetingMia. Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm here if you need to talk. I want to keep on going, want to be right here with you. I'd love to see your color shining through. It's such a beautiful end of the series or a middle chapter or whatever it's going to be. Like, I feel like this is not the the ending specifically. It feels very much to me like an Empire Strikes Back, like middle chapter. Uh-huh. I don't know how you feel on that. Do you I think this hope, is the ending? No, I, okay. I hope that it's a middle chapter, you know? Yeah, I, I would love to see like Steven as an adult and the way that that works out because all of this just feels like... He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it leaves it on such an ambiguous note. And it's so beautiful. But it's also like, there's there's more story here. Yeah. I feel like there's more to tell. Yeah, but I, I do like the idea of creating a world where, you know, Steven, Steven, I feel like, is the epitome of a main character. Where he has very specific traits, but a lot of the things he has can be attributed to a lot of different people. And I think he's a very relatable character. And I think that it's important to have the main character of a series where his role has been very defined from the very beginning to not have a concrete future. Yeah, that's true. And to suddenly be in a place where, you know, you have the freedom to decide what you want to do. You know, and I think that's really important for young kids to see, especially like, growing up watching the show you know or even just like adults but also like that is 1000 percent because of the writing of the show because like rebecca sugar is steering the ship in a way that like every time that the show like ends quote unquote you know it's like oh that was the perfect message like that was the perfect message then the movie came out and i was like oh that was the perfect message (laughs) now i can no this was the perfect message you know it's just really amazing, like, what they can do with this show, like, aimed at kids, mm-hmm. relatable to adults, and telling stories that don't get told in media a whole lot. Well, it's because this is one of the first examples we have of a female showrunner, yeah. you know? And I think... And, like, a queer, like, non-binary uh, right. showrunner, too, that... Yeah, and and she's pushed her own voice, you know... And mm-hmm. other people's voices and, yeah, to the and, and forefront. Yeah, and not to discredit no, no, no. the other writers no, 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 in the no. room. We That's just not don't what know I their saying. names. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just... <laughs> I more mean that, like, you know, she's been able to put a voice into this cartoon. It's not just, like, here's Bugs Bunny and they're hitting each other's heads, you know? Hey, like, don't bash on this Bugs cartoon. Bunny. Bugs Bunny is a fucking <laughs> queer icon. Fuck you. <laughs> this cartoon has been very much about feelings and emotions from the very beginning, and that's right. only gotten stronger as the series has gone on, and that's really allowed Rebecca Sugar to put a lot of different voices and, like, s- stuff that we haven't really been able to see and voices that we haven't been able to 
hear in media a lot, you know, especially not yeah. in kids' shows. I think this show has really been groundbreaking for a lot of different reasons and in a lot of different ways. And I think that just the kinds of stories that you see in the show that are represented, I think, quite well from ranging from like abuse to anxiety, now PTSD. I think that those are all really important stories that kids need to hear. Well, I mean, and also looking at it from like a queer perspective, like it's it's amazing to see how far we've come in the last like five years in particular, Mm -hmm. because Legend of Korra ended in 2014. And that was still like a time where it was like everybody involved in the creative process knew that they wanted to make these characters queer. They wanted to have a bisexual lead and have that be an aspect of her character. And then the studio was like, no, you can't do that. Well, maybe you can do it at the very end. And then they also were like, hey, we're going to like bury you. You're just fucking done. Yeah. Like we're going to put you on the app. Nobody's going to see this. We're not going to promote it. And that was six years ago. Well, and you know, God, that was heartbreaking because I watched it. I was watching Cora. I don't know if you were following it as it was coming out. I was, but I wasn't like part of the fandom. So I didn't have any inkling. It was just heartbreaking because I was watching it as it was coming out on TV. I mean, and the thing is, is that Steven Universe went through a lot of the same shit, right? Like they had like a queer non-binary showrunner that was like, hey, I want to have these two characters get married. Right. And that couldn't happen. And then from day one, she pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and eventually got that and eventually got to tell all these stories because it's not that Steven Universe is trans. It's that Steven Universe deals with things that are very relatable to like trans kids and like gender nonconforming kids. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting. I mean, it's it's funny how much this show can just like fucking attack me you know you like personally. just like emotion bombs yeah <laughs> it's just so i mean we, I've, I've been trying to talk about this steven universe future with you for like three months like mm-hmm. three and a half months when did it air like the know. end of march it's been a while yeah and it's like every time that i want to do it i just like can't i yeah. just fucking cry just and sad. i have an anxiety Which, to attack. be fair every time i watch steven universe i cry so it makes yeah, sense yeah. that talking about it would make you want to cry I, I mean and especially like what steven universe future deals with is all about the uncertainty of the future and things like that sure but like specifically the things that steven deals with like his anxiety and trying to bottle it all down and panic attacks and PTSD and then confronting the people that hurt you. And like, you have to pretend like everything is normal. Yeah. Especially, especially like in this show, all of the people who hurt Steven, you know, are like his friends now. Right. He's has like outwardly forgiven, but there's a difference between, you know, forgiving someone and forgiving, I don't know, the situation and healing and I, right. I think I think that's important that it's okay, you know, especially for for kids to hear that message of sometimes people love you, yeah, and they've hurt you in the past, right. you know it just hit me on a really personal level because I've spent a lot of the last year confronting the fact that like I was abused like sure. regularly growing mm-hmm. up, like physically, emotionally verbally all of these things that i've just like repressed and hidden away Mm -hmm. and for a long time i was like i feel like there's something there but i just can't delve into it you know and like through therapy i've like confronted that and and now that i'm like friends with those people that hurt me and we have a relationship that goes on because we've both grown past that point and we're not in that situation anymore but now that i'm like realizing these things about my past it's like how do i continue a relationship with this person and that that was such an amazing scene for me where like he goes to talk to white diamond Mm. and he's like hey what's what's wrong with me do you know why i have all these new powers do you know any way to help me and she like allows him to take over her body so that they can talk about it and then he has this moment of realizing like hey i have all the power in this situation like if i wanted to i could fucking kill you Mm. and like i've already forgiven you and you're like nice now and you're like basically my aunt and like how do you confront that situation you know like somebody's apologized but that doesn't mean that the things that hurt you didn't hurt you Mm -hmm. you know yeah and and him not dealing with it for all those years just like the the idea that you have to pretend to be okay yeah or that you think that you're okay and if you're outwardly emotionally distressed about the things that have hurt you then you're a burden on the people around you 
I don't know. It's just all such fucking heady stuff for a kid's show to tackle, you know? Well, also the idea that, like, as a victim, you are the one who should be saying how you're hurt and what the other person did to hurt you. Right. You know, number one, an interesting thing is, is it's like, if you've hurt someone, like the, the diamond specifically has had me thinking that, like, if you've hurt someone, you are both responsible for hurting them, but also it's okay to be, I don't know, sad in that situation. I feel like that was a like a semi-unique perspective that we don't like see very often. What what do you mean? I, I just mean like in, in that last scene, in the last episode, right? Is it's like blue diamond and yellow diamond and white diamond feeling remorseful and feeling sad. Right. But that the important takeaway from that is is you can be sad in that situation, but like it's really not about yeah. them. Right. And that, and that's the thing is like it does a really good job of taking the power away from the I mean the abusers in that situation of yeah. taking like the people who were in power and are making it about themselves even again and like Connie really breaking down that situation and confronting them about it and being like hey like literally this isn't about you you know right. Well, I mean, and also you have these patterns that are built up throughout a lifetime, right? So, like, everybody sees Steven as, like, this, like, happy-go-lucky kid Mm -hmm. that's able to fix every situation, and he's able to bring anybody over to his side, and he's able to bring out the good in everybody, and that becomes expected of him. Mm -hmm. And and I felt a lot of that, like, growing up and as a teenager— Everybody expects me to be funny yeah. all the time. And yeah. I love being funny. I wish that I could be funny all the time for them. But sometimes I'm sad and like I don't know how to how to manifest both of those things in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so I would kind of just like bury it deep down and be like, well, I'm funny all the time. I'm happy all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And then it, the other side of it just like violently comes forward, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I I think I sort of had a similar but just slightly different where I was always the like the picked on kid you know the like gently teased but frequently the gentle became more and more and more aggressive when you're in that situation a lot of times you're not allowed to call the other person out because then you're like a buzzkill right right is that like you being the butt of the joke is the the sort of ground that everyone else is standing on and you're expected to have to be in that same position and laugh with everyone else even when you know you're the target of that and I I feel like as a happy-go-lucky person a lot of times I mean I I would laugh along a lot of times but that doesn't always mean that it wasn't hurtful to me you know I think that what you're getting at is that it's an interesting characterization for a kids tv show to be like the opposite of flanderization. Mm. I don't know if you know what that means. Flanderization Ned is... Ned Flanders? Yeah, like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. <laughs> Great. It's like, it's like this thing where like as a show goes on, the, the writers get such a good idea of what a character is like yeah. that they forget to like... Make them human? Yeah, make them human and innovate with them. Yeah. And so like Steven Universe kind of became a little bit flanderized and sure. not in a bad way. I love that character. But, but in a way where it's like, we know what this kid will do in every situation. And mm-hmm. that's great because that's how he takes on the diamonds. It's how he deals with fucking Spinel and Lapis and, and, and Peridot and everybody. But like to show us that Steven has a lot more to his character and especially as he comes into like adolescence and mm-hmm. becomes an adult. And being angsty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the and angst it, and pettiness <laughs> is okay, and they're human emotions, and you have to feel them and move past them, you know? Yeah. And you have to feel them in order to move past them. And it's okay to accept that you're hurt, and it's okay to accept that other people have hurt you. Right. And that, you know, it's okay for you to be healing and for you to feel sad. Right. And I mean, also, like, the character, like, dealing with all of these, like, hormonal things also is just really interesting from the perspective of, like, a nine-year-old kid that started watching the show in season one would be around that age too. Right. And being on HRT <laughs> and transitioning. <laughs> you fucking hormonal teen. <laughs> you moody it's little just, bitch. Yeah, a lot of the time, it, it, <laughs> I, I fucking get it. Yeah. Like what he's going through of that like thing of like, 
I feel sad because I'm directionless and that makes me anxious and that makes me angry and that makes me mad because nobody can see that I'm angry or that I can't talk about it in the right way, even though I have a lot more communication skills than Steve and I'm 26. Like I figured myself out a lot more, but like I find myself in a lot of situations, you know, like crying because my Chipotle order didn't (sighs) show up, but it's not that I'm (laughs) crying because of that. It's that that's the last straw on top of like, a hard conversation I just had with my dad, transgender healthcare being attacked, weird attacks on trans people in the media, the Black Lives Matter movement, and like not having any movement on that, like all of these horrible things going on in the world. And then on top of all that COVID, and then on top of all that, like fucking everything. Mm-hmm. And you hadn't eaten. Right, exactly. And, and you so get I'm just angry like emotionally so unstruck. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm just like emotionally unwound to the point that it feels like that, where you're like, you just want to fucking explode and just like some monster comes out of your back and you become like this horrible Godzilla thing that's going to go out and fucking stomp down the town because your burrito didn't show up. Mm-hmm. But it's not about the fucking food. Yeah. You know, for Steven, it wasn't about the last straw. It was about all of these things building up. I don't know why those motherfuckers never never got that kid therapy. He really needed it. He had never been to the doctor. Yeah. Which... They're aliens. They don't know shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Greg is not an alien. <laughs> Greg is a human man. That's true. Greg is a Greg human man who also probably has never alien. been to the doctor. He's like, <laughs> he yeah, I mean, it, it kind of hurts when I pee, but I haven't been to the doctor in 20 years. My he, dad made me go when I was 18. <laughs> he goes to the doctor and they're like, I see you have a you have a fracture that seems to have healed here. And they're like, yeah, my kid licked my knee and it healed. <laughs> And they're like, uh, uh, and then they admit him to a psych ward. And that's why Greg doesn't go to the doctor. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and so the show just deals with all of these things in such a beautiful way. And and my first time watching through Steven Universe Future, I remember that you cried a lot at the finale. Yeah. And I I wasn't there with it. Yeah. Like, I was kind of just like, okay. This is kind of weird, like what this is doing. You were like, let's record. And then like two hours later, you were like, (laughs) Well, well, and and that's the same thing that happened when I watched the Steven Universe finale, the season five finale, was like the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, that was really good, powerful stuff. And I'm sure that someday I'll be able to emotionally (laughs) react to it. And then I watched it again like a week later and I was just bawling. Uh, Yes, because I did that first the first time I watched something, and then also every time after that <laughs> that I watched well, it. Well, and that's the really great thing about the show is that, like, from an emotional standpoint, every emotional beat works so well, like, whether it's the first time watching it or after. And a lot of the time on rewatches, it works even better. I We talked about in our Steven Universe episode about nine months ago, I was saying, like, yeah, every time that I watch, um, what is it, like, Mindful Meditation, the episode with Here Comes a Thought. Like, I cry every time I watch that. Yeah. And it's, like, the same thing here. Like, it's just so fucking much. And when he goes to see Dr. Maheshwaran and he has that discussion with his dad afterwards where he's like, I don't know what to do. Like, every I, I felt like I was going to die so many times in my life. And I felt like I was in danger and I had to save the entire world. And I wasn't able to react to it at those times. You know, and now every time that I get, like, a splinter, I feel like the world is going to fall apart. Like, his specific quote is, like, I should be feeling so good these days. But, like, how do I move on from all the stuff I've been through? How do I live my life if it always feels like I'm going to die? And just, like, every time I watch that, I fucking bawl my eyes out. Because I've been there so many times, like, and didn't know why that was happening. Like, in the middle of college, you know, I'm studying for an exam and I'm just, like, freaking out. And I'm like, why do I feel like I'm literally going to suffocate? Like, why do I feel like I'm drowning right now? I'm just, like, doing math homework. Anxiety is a fucking hell of a thing, you know, and PTSD specifically is a lot to deal with. Yeah. Specifically with with some of the stuff, I, I personally suffer from a lot of uh, social anxiety is my personal brand of, of anxiousness. And the whole episode with him proposing to Connie oh gave me the God. worst secondhand embarrassment of my entire so life. I, Mia can can attest to this. Every time oh. something like incredibly embarrassing you shows get up, up and run out I of will room. screech and run to the kitchen because I cannot handle watching it. It just makes me want to crawl out of my skin because every situation is just like, oh my God, I would die if I were here. Yeah, And that's simply like I have 
have never evolved past that point. I am still in third grade mentality of I'm I would die. <laughs> I would well, die. I mean, and it's so so fucking embarrassing because I feel like we've I all been die. there when we were like 15 and we were like I'm going to marry this person. And mm-hmm. you like imagine mm-hmm. your life having kids with somebody that you have a crush on or that you're dating when you're right. like 14 or 15. Right. And it's like I knew fucking nothing. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to like propose to Connie and then we're going to be Stevani forever. Oh my it's God. like, bro, w- wow. Yeah. Like, they, really. They, they do so much in 20 episodes. Yeah. 20 11 minute episodes, too. Yeah. Like, they do so much with an 11 minute episode. Yeah. Where like Steven is only in like total annihilation, destruction kaiju mood for like 10 minutes. Right. I just like that they change up the format where like the original show every episode ends on like a happy beat or like a happy note you know yeah and it always like star wipes into like a quirky joke here we go you know Mm -hmm. and then now it's just like any episode can just end on like the most fucked up moment yeah you know like he he shatters jasper like the first shattering that we see in the entire show is by steven himself and it's like wow that's a lot to deal with and then it's just like (laughs) (laughs) it gets a little sound effect it's like (laughs) yeah i i love i love villains yeah i love jasper a lot yeah i think i don't know i i just i love i mean i love the characters in the show i think they're all amazing and beautiful and they've grown so much throughout the series jasper ripping out the grass is one of my favorite jokes. Stupid little earthlings. (laughs) I don't know all of their names. (laughs) Made me laugh so hard, and it's one of the first things in the first episodes. Here's the thing about Student Universe is I'm a big fan. I love it. (laughs) Great. I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Rebecca Sugar is going to be so glad to hear it. It's really interesting that Steven spends all of his time walking around telling people like, hey, I'm going to help you find your purpose. Yeah. Like, hey, like Jasper doesn't want a new purpose. She wants to destroy. She wants to do what she did before. When he runs into the two Lapises that are terraforming a planet, even though they don't have to, they're like, we want to terraform a planet. And he's like, okay. But what what if you didn't do that? What if you danced instead? And but this entire time, like he has no idea of where he's trying to go. And right. he's like trying to find his purpose by helping other people find theirs. And it's just that thing of like trying to help other people without being self-reflective for yourself. Yeah. Or being too self-reflective. And like <laughs> yeah. thinking like I can just think my way out of this. I could just fix every problem that pops up and then I'll be good and everybody will like me and everything will be okay. <laughs> And it's I, fucking miserable. <laughs> I think it's I think it's also interesting just because I feel like Steven and Amethyst have had a really similar experience in terms of, you know, feeling broken, not feeling like having a place to belong. You know, and, and I think it's interesting that Amethyst has really come into her herself yeah. and found herself through Little Homeworld. But like that's the thing is is they've always been on really similar like emotional levels but amethyst is a lot older well it's it's funny because amethyst i think was kind of at the same level that steven is in steven universe future when the show started yeah like she was already like a moody teen that didn't have a direction in her life and she was mad that steven came along because like she used to be the worst crystal gem and now steven is and so she's like haha like i'm not the worst one anymore and as the show goes on, we see her have that trajectory that Steven sort of goes through in Steven Universe future just to a much lesser extent. Mm-hmm. She like gets the sadness to the stressfulness, to the anxiety, to the anger, to the lashing out and then comes full circle. And and then by the time Steven Universe future comes around, she's like ready to help Steven through all that stuff. And he he doesn't think that he can be helped like he doesn't want to be helped because he's the person that helps other people. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times when you're the person giving advice, you know, and you're the the compassionate friend, not to say that, you know, the other gems aren't, but Steven really is the epitome of that. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to say that you need help. It's difficult to be the one that leans on other people when for so long other people have been leaning on you. Right. You know, and I think especially when you're the happy and joyous friend or when you're the happy and joyous like family member, it can be hard to feel okay being sad because, you know, that it's different and wrong. Yeah. And I think that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I liked all of the self-reflection that Steven has to do throughout the show as he's like getting all of these new powers and he's really scared of what the future is going to be like. And he's thinking about his mom the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, his journey with Pink Diamond with, and with Rose Quartz is so interesting because she has sort of like a reverse redemption arc as the show goes. Mm-hmm. Like it starts off and she's like this like all-powerful figure that everybody loves. And then as the show goes, we see more and more that she's flawed because we learn more about her past. In Steven Universe Future, we see that she was like very abusive, like it, much more than what we've seen before. Like she was physically abusive towards her Pearl and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Steven reflecting on that and being scared of that, you know, it's like this thing of like seeing things that your parents have done or things that are recurrent in your family and like cycles like, of abuse. Yeah, yeah, right. generational trauma, mm-hmm. and you're like fuck. Yeah, I'm 16. This is going to happen to me. And when's the day that I'm going to freak out and hurt people? That love right. Me? It's amazing how well the show handles, you know, Stephen from going, am I my mother to I don't want to be like my mother. Yeah, right. You know, and right. to sort of understanding who he wants to be and trying to figure out now that he knows what his mother is like, you know, right. like what her life was actually like and undergoing you know, similar pretty destructive traumas because that's the thing is is when someone is abused, they frequently like, you know, take that out on on the people around them yeah. in, in the same way. Right. I mean, I think it's interesting to watch Steven grow up as the show goes on because like in the show we see Steven who started off as like the ultimate little annoying kid, you know, that just like nobody told him anything. He went off on his own adventures and just like hung out and cloned himself and did crazy stuff every week and turned into a cat and (laughs) now he's like outgrown the maturity of his surrogate moms Mm -hmm. you know it's like this weird thing where like they see him as a kid still and he's like i don't want to play tag with you yeah shut up well it's important to understand that they are thousands of years old yeah right And steven grows very very they're they're stagnated yeah Yeah. they don't understand why he's changed so much so quickly well i think it's also I think they are doing remarkably well considering how in the grand scheme of things like how fucking old they are yeah. and so much yeah. of their life has changed in the past like, you know, 16 years since Steven existed. Yeah, it's true. But I mean it is relevant to the way that puberty works in general where yeah, like one day your mom, you know, wakes up and you're not you're not playing Pokémon anymore, you're out there Drinking hard and getting pussy. (laughs) No. (laughs) Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What was your favorite episode? I really liked, I don't know sequentially where it took place, but mm. I loved the roller rink episode. Oh, SO6 E18? No, <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that one was really good. But I, I love Pearl. Pearl's one of my favorite characters in the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because she's flawed, because she's, I don't know, I want to hug her all the time. <laughs> um, but I, I love her and bismuth and i also love all of the homosexuals that were at the roller rink where she was that she was like interacting with like right. all of the elder gays that like <laughs> pearl has a bunch of gay friends yeah. that we've never seen before yeah, it's like, very funny <laughs> this fucking show is like uh, like this episode specifically that was just chock full of homosexuals and also like gay people who have worked on the show right right which and is well, amazing and that's the really great thing about like organic representation right yeah is that it doesn't have to be a joke that a character is gay in the background it doesn't have to be a big heartfelt crying moment that a character in the background is gay dog copter is gay yeah like dog copter in the show proposes to his husband and <laughs> yeah. like oh cool okay i didn't know that dog copter was gay moving on like it doesn't have yeah. to be a thing and it just has been for fucking ever yeah and it's so funny to see like the way that like media nowadays especially from like Disney wants to brag about their amazing like representation because like 20 years ago 
there would just be a side character that was gay and that was the joke. Mm -hmm. But it's like they still existed. It was never like a casual, just understood thing to be gay. And I think that's really important, especially in children's media. But that's that's what happens when you get queer people telling queer stories. Yeah. Is that that's the problem with like a lot of queer and like gay and trans tropes, like both of them, like is that the reason why they're bad is because there's only one character, right? It's like the barrier gaze trope. The reason that's a trope is because there aren't enough gay characters in a show for you to kill the only gay person. Yeah, exactly. Is if you always kill the only gay person on the fucking (laughs) show, it's like, yeah, you can can have characters that suffer. That's okay. Yeah. But when... If Steven Universe wanted to kill five gays, we would still have 12 gays. Exactly. (laughs) Like, that's the thing is, that's like, that's part of the reason why representation matters and why it's important to have fucking more than just the sad sack trans story over and over and over again. Right. Is it's okay to just have characters fucking exist because (laughs) queer people exist out of their trauma. When you see queer characters on screen all the time, it becomes so pedestrian and so normal. And people need that who don't live in L.A. Yeah. Like people need that because they have queer family and queer people that they know they need to support. People need that because they are queer and they don't know it. Like when I was watching The L Word. Yeah. It just becomes so normal that you're watching a show starring six or seven lesbians. Yeah. That's just like completely normal. And then I turned on another show and I was like, oh, yeah, not everything Oh, has shit. any? Yeah. There's oh, so many I watched people. the entire show. God damn it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> better start Generation Q again. But it's just so funny to watch a show like this that that gets that right. Yeah. And it's like every character has the potential to be sexually fluid because who fucking cares? Also, like all of the characters are feminine, you know, right. Like, most of the characters in the show are women or gems who are sort of female coded female coded yeah. but pretty gender ambiguous yeah they're um, rocks yeah they're fucking rocks yeah exactly and to have the show based around this entire species of queers of homosexuals <laughs> <laughs> is very powerful and specific and makes it very fucking difficult yeah. for cartoon network which i really <laughs> really appreciate is that right. it's like hey you want a fucking love story? We're fucking four seasons deep, bitch, and these characters are in love, and they're both women, and you can't do anything about it because all of the rocks are girls, and if you want any fucking love <laughs> stories between these rocks, they're all going to be gay. Yeah, and that's the thing is that this show managed to like start off as such a slow burn and be like, it's just like a fun story, and there's fun music, and there's cute characters and cute jokes and stuff, mm-hmm. and then as it goes, it 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 brings in all of the queerness and all of the... like very good representation yeah. because it was just able to do that. Like yeah. the first season doesn't have much of any of that. It just has like queer energy. Yeah. And then after repeated punching by all of the storyboard artists and showrunners yeah. <laughs> that were on <laughs> this fucking show. Every fucking thing that you see in this show had to be fought for. I'm sure that by the end, the studio wasn't like, why does dog copter have to be gay? But I'm sure that if they tried to do that in season two, they would have been like, why does dog copter have to be gay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, that's the thing is this is the culmination of years and years and years of battling. Yeah. And and the, the other thing that I wanted to say is that the show has queer aesthetics and it fucking owns it and it knows that it has that. Yeah. Like when I watched the trailer for Scoob, I was like, you know what? I think Velma's gay and I think Velma is gay with this girl at the bowling alley because they're both <laughs> queer coded and they both look gay and they both like have stereotypical lesbian traits to them. No, neither. Nothing. No, no, nope. no nothing. And I was stupid enough to fall for that because studios want to buy into that. They want to buy into a queer aesthetic, but they don't want to fucking pay up and do it. Yeah. And also queer aesthetic has become the common The amount of fucking shows and movies that have had, like, a token gay character and then refused to include, like, the one-off line. Let's talk about Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom, Star Trek Beyond, (laughs) Independence Day Resurgence. This is all off the top of my head. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) Holy shit. That one really hurt <laughs> yeah uh, Jurassic completely world. unnecessary to cut that out of the movie Jurassic you. world really fucking hurt me because yeah. Daniela Pineda is 
so fucking beautiful yeah. and she was so obviously actually gay in the movie <laughs> like she literally like they had the moment she had where, that little like kissy moment with the dinosaur right no. who we all we know they're all female because yeah. they told us uh-huh. in the first movie. yeah that's why no it was just like her and the the side scientist right yeah that moment where they're like oh they're gonna kiss and then she like smushes his face mm-hmm. like she's obviously actually gay and, and then they the just cut out the joke line right when you get so close to having like this beautiful representation in a movie a movie that you of, don't like, even casual representation care about yeah. by the way right like i didn't give a fuck about that movie i was just like oh cool like, I literally wanted to see it because she was, like, cute in the trailer. And I was like, mm, mm. She, she looks super gay. And I bet she's gay in the mm-hmm. movie. And instead, you find yourself watching Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt make out, like, after they fucking had a horrible relationship in the first movie. And you're like, are straight people okay? What the fuck? Why is this happening right now? And they're I like, fucking oh, hate but, everything. But she she made a two-second joke that wasn't relevant. So Ugh. we're just going to cut that yeah. out. Because yeah, we need more of Chris Pratt flexing it's and gross. making out with it's being gross. straight. It's gross. It's we need gross. more straight people. Speaking of Steven Universe future, though, okay. I really loved Shep, yeah. played by India Moore. I love That's them. incredible that they have a non-binary character played by a non-binary trans Which, woman in person. Historically, they've done. They've that been very, rules. very, very powerful yeah. about doing, which I really fucking appreciate. Mm-hmm. I just think it's great that they introduce a character who is non-binary. The drama of the scene is not about them being non-binary. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're super cute. Yeah. Just having a fucking human character who's mm-hmm. non-binary is really important. Who's romantically desirable for yeah. a character that's been around this entire time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, the amount of times that like a trans or non-binary or queer character is introduced just so that there can be like a sad sob story about how nobody understands them or accepts right. them. Or murders them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, we watched Disclosure today on Netflix. It's a documentary about trans representation in media and like intersectional trans representation. And it's, it's real fucking mind. good. Yeah. Just like hired trans people. <laughs> Hire queer people. How hard is that? You got really two it. right here. You got two fucking queers. Well, I already have the microphone. I'll I'll do it. Put uh-huh. me on. Uh-huh. What's up? Well, I don't I don't mean just for voice acting. I just mean for fucking now is the time. Yeah. For fucking They're making an Animorphs movie, fucking hire me. I'll write the Animorphs <laughs> movie. I don't give a fuck. I got a lot of good ideas about the Animorphs. Like that's the thing is is You'll get better stuff, yeah. If you hire the people who you know who are and, going and if you have a things. diverse yeah representation in your writers' room and in your cast, like yeah. a trans person doesn't necessarily need to be writing trans stories. Even yeah. though if you're writing a trans story, you should have a trans person yeah in there with you consulting or writing it. But like, it's great. Hire hire queer people. Yeah, that's it. I. Love India Moore's voice so much. I love India I wish Moore. that I sounded like them. Yeah, their just voice is very on pose cute. too. Just yeah, also they're very cute on pose. I agree. I follow them on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've got that similar thing of like, I look cute, but also sad, like all the time. And I've only really seen India Moore when they're acting. Like I haven't like seen an interview where they're happy. And most yeah. of the time on pose, they're pretty sad. because Yeah. It's a, show about being a transgender woman in the 1980s in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a very similar... Just the existential sad face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'd be like that. This show has a whole lot of voice goals for me. Like, I would love to sound like Lapis Lazuli, mm-hmm. Stevani, mm-hmm. Shep. Mm-hmm. Who else? My God, Stevani in the... Oh, oh, oh. I Something I thought... Like a little nugget that I thought was cute in the in the ice skating episode mm-hmm. is that she's, amethyst. Okay, keep going. I'll just is do them as I come per- as they come up. <laughs> Ruby, is that, is that Pearl got really excited about the infomercial and thought it was really cute. Yeah, and it reminded me of like her thing. She really liked that Rose really liked a commercial that Greg wrote <laughs> or something, and she was like, "Oh, Rose would have loved this." <laughs> And now, like, she really, really loves this little silly little jingle. And mm-hmm. also her and Bismuth are really cute. Yeah, that was um, really good. And I love Bismuth. I like that she's a strong, butch, powerful gem lady. Mm-hmm. And they should get married. Also, just, like, Steven trying to fit in at skate night and not being able to. I get it, bud. I fucking, I fucking feel it. Yeah, the, the way that he... 
somehow apologetically and unapologetically delivers his hor- horrifying, horrible lines like of, ah, oh, yeah, my, my mom is going to try to murder me. She ripped my gem out. Ha, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and it's like, most people just wouldn't say anything, Stephen, but you really said it. Oh, secondhand embarrassment was real and powerful in all of these episodes. And also Connie is flawless, and I appreciate her, her consistent just absolute level-headedness in the most ridiculous situations and mm-hmm. her, like, awareness of what's happening. Um, Spinel comes back. The diamonds come back, which was fun. I, I liked seeing Spinel again. It was very weird to see her not with a TV movie budget <clears throat> where, like, all of her little, like, yeah. what is that called? Like, the Laffy Taffy physics or whatever from, like, the 1920s look less impressive here <laughs> which is but, fine because she's only in the show for one episode and the story gets crossed yeah it's I, fine i think i think there's still a lot of I, I think that the storyboarders put a lot of fucking love into this yeah and there yeah. are a lot of like really really good segments i love steven when he gets buff after three days that's of so funny i loved that <laughs> i love his like anime boy aesthetic and right. his fucking pompadour and how buff he is it's very <laughs> powerful and and also that he thinks that that's what a man is like that yeah. he thinks that that's how he should be and how he needs to be to be strong right is to be like this like angry punching holes in walls kind of kid you know mm-hmm. he's a beautiful um, young man <laughs> I, I, I really loved, though, when he went and saw all of the diamonds and like they all have their own ideals of like how to fix him, you know, quote unquote, of he's like, I'm sad and I'm angry and I'm having emotional outbursts. And Blue is like, well, I'll I'll give you this little cloud that'll just make you feel happy. Mm. And that's like this metaphor for like antidepressants and specifically people that aren't interested in being on antidepressants, but like are told like that's the way that you fix this situation. Mm-hmm. Like. You just take this and you'll be happy no matter how you want to feel. I, I understand like the antidepressant line, but I, I think it also it is more about trying to find a solution before, you know, like solving the problem mm. is that it's someone like throwing antidepressants out without also going to therapy. Right. You exactly. know, is that it's important to solve the root of the problem, not just make someone happy is really actually understand why someone's unhappy to begin with. Well, and also that they don't really listen to him. Like they've taken a new tact with everything. They're trying to be nice. They're trying to understand, but they're still being very forceful and like subjecting him to whatever they want to do. And dismissive. Yeah. Yeah, Blue Diamond like gives him the happy cloud, even though he doesn't want it and Mm -hmm. makes him like forces him to be happy when he doesn't want to feel that way. And yellow diamond stretches him out and changes his physical form when he doesn't want to be that way. And white does what she does and he doesn't want to be that way. And he like freaks out because of it. Yeah. You know, like it's just people that like, like I've heard a friend of mine talk about this with going to therapy. Like they'll tell their therapist something that they're going through and their therapist will like interrupt them mid sentence and say like, Oh, I understand. Yeah. You should do this. Mm-mm. And it's like, well, that's not what you should do as a therapist. Like, fuck yeah. that. It sucks. Or parents. I mean, <laughs> yeah. even just like yeah. parents, like trying to talk, you know, trying to be seen as an adult. Right. Trying to be seen as a dimensional person who's going through things and like really like being able to listen to people, especially teenagers. Like, fucking yeah. nobody listens to teenagers. Yeah. Everyone, like, especially they're just told that you know, someone else knows what's better for them. Mm -hmm. And I think Steven hasn't really gotten necessarily a lot of that. Well, no, I guess he has. He's gotten a lot of people telling him that they know what's best for him. Yeah, and and also... From everyone. Yeah, and also that people, again, with the flanderization thing, expect Mm -hmm. something from him. Right. And they think they know what he wants at all times. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, Steven is sad, so Steven wants to be happy like he used to be. And it's like, well, that's not what's going on. He's 16, and he needs to be able to form his own identity, and he's having a hard time because he feels boxed in by what you all expect from him. Because, like, he, it's interesting to have a protagonist in a TV show who started off as, like, a 12-year-old, and now he's going into adulthood. All of his problems are solved. Like, what what do you fucking do? You were, like, the chosen one. You were the one, you know? Yeah. And now what do you do? Yeah. Like, that's a little bit what 
speaking of Legend of Korra was about, <laughs> was like Aang saved the world when he was 10. And then he had to live an entire life and he had to have kids and have a wife and have all this stuff. And sometimes he wasn't a great dad because he wasn't prepared for that because he was a, you know, child soldier, essentially, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Korra has to pick up the pieces and be like, I'm kind of Aang, but I'm not really. But everybody expects me to be like Aang because he was the greatest and he defeated the Fire Lord. And now what do I do? Right. You know? I also really appreciate that Steven is pink. Um, That's sort of a little thing, but... He's a pink diamond. Especially as, like, you know, a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. Having a, a main character boy yeah. who's represented by the color pink, I think, is <laughs> really, really fun. Well, and, yeah. like, really breaks a lot of, obviously, very, very overtly breaks gender norms, you know. And by, this show always has. Like, yeah. Steven isn't afraid to go out and wear a dress and do a dance. But yeah. if people call him pink diamond or call him a girl, he's like, no. That's not what's going on. I'm, That's not who I am. I'm not conforming to gender expectations put mm -hmm. upon me by a society that I'm not even really a part of. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I'm a girl. Right. I love that as just yeah. as a feminine person, as a feminine guy, you know, especially as a trans guy. I think like feminine male representation for kids and even for adults is really, really important, obviously. But like. Just just how effortlessly they do it in the show and how he's just like turning pink and everyone's, you know, no one's worried that he's turning pink. <laughs> They're worried because he's not supposed to be pink, not because he's the color right. pink, you know, and he well, just has a pink jacket and, <laughs> right. and he's I th super I think, cute. I think that's the way a lot of gender nonconforming people feel about him as a character in mm -hmm. the show in general. Like yeah. My friend who I put onto the show like yesterday, I told to watch all of it. He had already seen Steven Universe and the movie. Mm -hmm. He just hadn't watched Steven Universe Future yet. And like his main takeaway from it today after watching like five or six episodes is like, I love that Steven is allowed to be like feminine yeah. because I'm trans masculine and I also have like a feminine side to me and I'm happy that I can see characters express that. Mm -hmm. It's super cute. It's amazing. It's super important. Yeah. Um, Especially for kids. Yeah. Yeah. For like, Kids and teens and understanding that, you know, you can be effeminate or, you know, and have emotions and be happy and not happy, but like be, you know, loving right. and empathetic, you know, right. is really important for boys to see. And I don't know how many, I don't know what the demographic of Steven Universe is. I don't know what the target audience is for kids, to be completely honest, because I am a grown-ass adult and I love this show. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think something that is so subtle within the show is really important to see. It, it's so easy to like brush over, but I think like it's not really something that like the pink character is always the girl yeah and to have the only boy character like the only main male character in the show to be pink is just really cute yeah and lars is pink too oh and lars turned pink yeah i forgot <laughs> lars turned whole ass pink i mean it's just a really great message in the end where it's like well steven not everything is fixed yeah. This horrible thing happened. He's moved past it a little bit. It's been six months since the kaiju incident and he's in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> which is a good moment to end it on. Like Steven's in therapy. He's going to sort of figure himself out. Yeah. Because the thing about it that I love that the show really portrays is like after the mess, the feelings are still there. Those feelings of like guilt and shame that he had. Of like he turned over because he couldn't talk to people about the way that he was feeling. Yeah. It wasn't because he was angry and he did horrible things. It was that he did horrible things because he couldn't talk to anybody because he wanted to put on a performance for people of what yeah. he was feeling. And so he felt like he was like getting away with it. And what he was getting away with was like feeling sad and angry. Yeah. And that's such like a like a very, very relevant teenage feeling <laughs> yeah of being know, sad and, but not wanting to tell the adults in your life about it right and and also that like after he changes and then he's saved by a big group hug it's steven universe of course that's how they're gonna end the show after all of that still the first thing that he says is like i'm sorry like he just did this he he had this horrible transformation he hated it everybody was really concerned for him and they all came together to save him and tell him that he was okay and that it was okay for him to be sad mm -hmm. and afterwards all we can do is just like cry about it and keep on saying he's sorry 
And I fucking get that. (laughs) Like when you all you can do is just like say that you're sorry for having feelings because you've been coded your entire life to To feel that way. Yeah. 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 And whether that's something that you've inflicted on yourself or something that society has put on you, you know, like stop crying like a little fucking girl or, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's good. It's good representation. Yeah, the writers on this show clearly have hey. emotions hey, and they went did through that. puberty. Hey, did you ever think about that they did that? Huh. No, I never thought about that. Consider. They did that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, they, they end everything with, like, that quintessential middle chapter feeling, at least for me and for you, I guess, too. But, like, yeah. I don't feel like this is the ending of the show. I think all the writers have been sort of coy about, like, People ask them, is this the end? And they're like, this is the last episode of Steven Universe Future. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's like, okay, so clearly we're going to deal with him as an adult a little bit. And I'm stoked for that. I fucking hope so. Like with Adventure Time coming back, it it feels like when they have a show that has this emotional depth to it, they're not just going to like wrap it. Sure. Well, yeah. And when they have a really like devoted, rabid audience. Yeah. (laughs) I think Steven Universe has its own little subsection of very, very devoted. I mean, a lot, a huge subsection of very devoted fans. And I think Adventure Time does too. Yeah. I think like those really like, Bubbling fans, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Specifically, yeah. like Specifically. queer people are obsessive and weird about things. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just mean that, like, has a very strong fan base. You know, the companies want to continue, hopefully. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to see where it goes, whether that's a comic book or, like, more show. I would love to see Steven as an adult. I think that'd be a really fun story to tell. I think tackle. it'd be very cute. Yeah. I hope he has long hair, long curly hair. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast. I Hello. appreciate you. Well, I, I love, love you. Here. You're oh, great. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you online? Uh, you can follow my Twitter at Shovel Ashley. And I'm on Twitter at Stop Tweeting Mia. Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. And I'm here if you need to talk. Steven? Connie, will you marry me? What? Let's get married and live as Stevani. What? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.